I'm Jake Watson, and this is the Saints Unscripted podcast, where we have conversations about faith crisis, topics that may be triggering about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Gospel, church history, prophets, the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and so many other things. This is Season 1, Faith Crisis. And this strong trust that you developed um, early on in your life, that I, I developed the same trust, that I, I'm listening to the mind and will of God when I read the scriptures, when I listen to the general conference. And that's okay to do, but you also have to have some, some backup because sometimes things change. That the, What you consider the pure mind and will of God in scripture or spoken over the pulpit ends up changing. Hey again, everyone. We've got Leo here still. We still have a lot of things to talk about faith crisis, and he has kind of a lot of ideas to go through with me. And so I'm really excited to get going with this. Leo, do you want to take it away? Yeah. So hi again, everybody. Part two. I'm still in the same shirt, so <laughs> you know you know something's up. <laughs> we all have washing machines. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I was going to talk to you. Talk to you a little about uh, a little bit about Jake about something called splitting. Um, it's something that's a it's a defense mechanism that we experience um, in our lives, and it's also called black and white thinking. Uh, and so I'm going to read a few words off to you, and I want you to tell me what the middle word, if there's a, a word that's kind of in between, that um, can describe the middle ground between these two polar opposites. Okay. Oh man, put on so the see, spot. Okay. So. <laughs> The first one is black and white. What's the middle ground of black and white? Uh, gray. Easy enough. Oh. What about hot and cold? Um, like lukewarm, room temperature? Yep. Okay. Uh, what about left and right? Middle? Center? These are all easy ones. <laughs> Even though I'm like really straining my mind to think middle. <laughs> well, you're, that was the easiest answer. It's a simple answer. So you, you kind of second guess it probably. <laughs> um, what about peace and chaos? What's the middle ground for between peace and chaos? Peace and chaos. Wow. Um, that's a good one. That, that one's a tough one. Peace and chaos. Numbness? Yeah, or maybe like indifference or... Indifference, yes. Yeah, wow, that's that's a good one. <laughs> These are supposed to make your mind stretch a little. Um, what about the middle ground between happy and sad? Happy and sad, I'd say... I want to say numb again, but I want to think of a, another word. Like, uh, and indifferent was good, too. And I'm just... I thought my mind was supposed to stretch and I'm just repeating answers or things that you say. <laughs> what about right and wrong? What's the middle ground for right and wrong? Ooh. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, middle ground, uh, gray, uh, uh, neutral, maybe neutral, neutral or, or right. And, um, or good and evil. It's another, Oh, that's another good similar one. Is there is there middle ground between good and evil? Apathy? I don't know. Because I, I guess good and evil would 
denote that you're doing something, right? Oh man, that's good. Or idleness maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the, the reason why I ask you to think about the middle ground on some of these things is because the scriptures, for example, um, with good and evil, it's just chock full, right? It's Nephi versus Laman Lemuel. It's the good versus evil. And you've got the battles of, between the Lamanites and Nephites, and you have all kinds of things that are, there's not really a lot of gray area. And so we've been trained growing up in the church to think about things in very black and white terms. God speaks with, uh, with the prophet, right? He's the mouthpiece. He's the watchman on the tower. He receives the download. Um, the scriptures are pure and true and, and holy. You know, uh, God breathed as the, how the Bible describes scripture. It comes straight from the mouth of God. And so these are very black and white ways of thinking about the gospel, about the church, about doctrine, about policy. And so it's kind of a related uh, theme, but the idea of this place of uncertainty and being more comfortable in that place, you've got to learn how to uh, combat this defense mechanism, this natural way of viewing the world is called splitting, meaning I split something um, and have to have choose a side. And, and we don't have to do that when you're in this area of investigation and of learning. And um, so I'll, I'll pause and just ask you what, you what you think about how you've traditionally viewed uh, the doctrine, the policies, the church, everything about it. And if this is a, a place where you're able to basically confront your, your black and white thinking, and you can try to um, overcome that and think of more like in a gray or a nuanced or a middle, middle ground type of, uh, type of view. Traditionally in the church, growing up in the church, um, you know, how you looked at uh, the scriptures, for example, how we received, how the prophets received and transmit scriptures, um, how we, how prophets give, how they prepare for their conference talks and mm. whether or not conference talks are, you know, are the eternal mind and will of God. We talked about eternal mind and will of God on the phone the other day. Is everything that the prophet, all, all of the speakers at general conference, everything that they say is the eternal mind and will of God. You know, are we able to feel more comfortable about this gray area? Before kind of I got into this, I expect it to be. I expect whatever so-and-so apostle says is supposed to be. And maybe that's just the way, like a false way of looking at things. Obviously it is. But that, that's a good way to think about it because you want to look at scripture, right? And you want to think, okay, this is perfect. This is the will of God. You hear a lot of people say the Bible's perfect. You hear a lot of people say the Book of Mormon is perfect because it's the word of God. It was translated. God just made sure everything was written correctly and everything. And, and now that I think about that specifically, that sounds silly almost. And even Moroni and a lot of the prophets in the Book of Mormon say, man, I hope people that read this later aren't going to make fun of me because my writing sucks, you know, in a nutshell. And I wonder if that's just a giveaway that, okay, hey, you know, maybe not everything is perfect in the scriptures or what the, the prophets say, but that, hey, they're teaching about Christ, believe in Christ, get baptized. You know, it, is that is that enough almost? I is is it enough to okay approach it okay i'm going to 
more gray area way of thinking, not black and white, but also understand, hey, you know, a lot of what is in scripture and what prophets and apostles say is if it's leading to Christ, it's probably correct. I don't know. I'm starting to kind of circle now. I think in my brain, like this is new to me (laughs) because like you were saying, I think I, I think I did look at it more of a black and white kind of kind of way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So you, the word we want to always use is true, right? Um, is a true prophet. I mean, the scripture's true. The church is true. And that is a very simplistic black and white view of our journey, our spiritual journey. And um, we need to be able to default to a position of trust in the prophets, right? We want to hear their words at conference, and we, we feel like the Spirit speaks to us and says, this is true, and I'm going to trust what they're saying is inspired and is what God wants us to hear. What's the point of attending conference, young conference, this next come around? It's coming up soon. If we can't have that default uh, position of trust, that, that the leaders have come prepared, they've gone through all of their iterations on their talks, um, a lot of people have reviewed them, They've prayed over them, they've fasted over them, and they've come with words that they feel like are from God for us. And so I just, but so that's a good position, the default position. But in our history, um, we've had, just for example, we've had some conference talks that have been revised after the fact, right? After they've been given. And, you know, when Joseph provided us with some scripture, um, some changes have been made to those scriptures over time. The DNC is a good example. Even the Book of Mormon, there were some changes made to the Book of Mormon, mostly grammar and spelling and punctuation, but there were some also some other changes that were made. Not a lot. Um, And so when Joseph called it the most correct book, we can't equate that with perfect, right? That's what our critics like to do anyway. They like to say, you think it's the most perfect book? And they say, no, it's most correct. And that's when Joseph said that, it, he didn't think he wasn't saying this was a pure download straight from heaven, the eternal mind and will of God. He said it called the most correct, which means it's pretty dang good. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I'll just I'll ask you what you think about anything else about this this black and white. We've re, we've been trained to think this way, looking at the, yes, we have the characters in the scriptures, listening to general conference, um, and this strong trust that you've developed. Um, early on in your life that I, I developed the same trust that I I'm listening to the mind and will of God. When I read the scriptures, when I listen to the general conference and that's okay to do, but you also have to have some, some backup because sometimes things change that the, what you consider the pure mind and will of God in scripture or spoken over the pulpit ends up changing. Sometimes these things change and we have to be open to that idea. So go ahead. I'll, I'll listen well, to you. I, I like that you bring up, and this was kind of our phone call the other day, is there's policy, right? Kind of rules for the church. Doctrine, which is how you described, you know, basically meaning what is being taught. And then there's the eternal mind and will of God. And it's kind of hard because I guess the eternal mind and will of God can change policy and doctrine. But that's not to say that the eternal mind and will of God changes or is wishy-washy. Th- that seems like a really good step for me to take right now in trying to just understand that. 
to be maybe more patient with those who teach doctrine, whether that's local leaders in the church, teachers, and general authorities in general conference. To some, your some more terms to think about. So Anthony Sweat at the 2017 BYU Education Week, um, Professor Sweat from BYU. He outlined four different kinds of doctrine, and this is helpful to we need. So when you're in a faith crisis, your vocabulary changes naturally. Um, you start to, or if you're questioning heavily, and it may not be that. I mean, Jake. Um, some people, I would say, are in a serious, serious faith crisis um, where they can't go to church anymore. They can't read the scriptures. They can't even pray. And I think you're in pretty good shape overall, just based on my diagnosis of talking. I think so. Other people. You're I'm very place. fortunate to not be there I don't want to diminish or minimize. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I just want to pause to mention that, you know, I think you're in a pretty good place, but, um, but which is great. Uh, but of course, there's people that are listening to this who are not, um, this hopefully will help. So uh, Professor Sweat, he talks about core doctrine, uh, and he defines that as those essential uh, teachings for salvation, uh, including faith, repentance, and baptism. So those are very core doctrines. Uh, supportive doctrine, and those that elaborate on core doctrine, but are not essential for salvation. Um, and then policy doctrine, authoritative binding teachings of the LDS church involving application of core and supportive doctrines. So it's kind of he's tying the two things, policy and doctrine together. Um, and then esoteric doctrine is known perhaps by prophets or may have once, um, they're like opinions basically, uh, or may have been authoritatively taught at some point. Like you talked about the uh, blacks and the priesthood, uh, that that statement from the early 1900s that you mentioned, I'm trying to remember what year it was, where they referred to the uh, the restriction, the ban as doctrine. Right. right. Yep. So that was authoritatively taught, uh, but are no longer um, no longer taught, and it's not essential for salvation. So those are more esoteric doctrines. So those are some additional vocabulary, right? So when you're in a in a place that you're you're in a transition phase with your faith. You can't get, sometimes you can't feel like you can't get up and, and be authentic and be honest with yourself and stand up in church and bear your a traditional testimony. You don't feel like you can say the exact same words that you used to say. So you need new vocabulary. You need to be able to be comfortable with new vocabulary. It takes time. And so this is an example of some new vocabulary that you can use to describe the different kinds of doctrine. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. Wow, that is so helpful. Oh my gosh. I can't remember all the names of the, I remember you, you've got your core beliefs, right? Core doctrine, and, supporting and that's, doctrine. That almost is supporting. And then you've got the supporting doctrine, esoteric doctrine. And then what was the other one? Paul, he calls it policy doctrine. Policy doctrine. Okay. I thought that was it, but I think I confused that one. Okay. So would you say then when going through, and maybe for somebody that's really being shaken, like just like, an extreme level faith crisis, would you say then for that person to focus on some of those core doctrines then and kind of let those authoritative and esoteric and supporting doctrines sort of slide off a little bit, but make sure they're strong in those core beliefs until maybe other, those other types of doctrine can start to come back gradually at a comfortable level? 
it depends on the person, right? So some people I know um, is part of their faith journey out of a faith crisis um, of that dark place. They do have to put all of the, the difficult issues on a, on a bigger shelf in the back room. They had a shelf that broke, but they take all those books and say, okay, I've got a function in the church. I'm going to put all these, these uh, books that have fallen on my shelf. I'm going to put them in an even bigger shelf in the back room, and i got to function in the church. So it depends on the type of person that you are, but some people do need to put away uh, all the secondary questions. Elder um, Is it Elder Corbridge, Lawrence Corbridge? I don't know if he's – I would call him Elder, but Brother Corbridge and um, his talk – he gave, uh, it was in January 2019, uh, Stand Forever is where he spoke at BYU. And he talks about the primary questions, which is kind of like focusing on the core doctrine um, and all the secondary questions. You kind of let, go, let those go until you know you're for sure on the, on the core doctrines or the primary questions. So that's kind of the point. And for some people that works really well. For other people, they can't focus on the primary questions because the other voices, the secondary questions are so loud and there's so many contradictions or supposed contradictions where someone, you know, a prophet called this doctrine on it. The priesthood ban lasted for a hundred something years and that's a long time and it caused a lot of pain. And you've got women in the church today who aren't receiving the priesthood. You've got LGBTQ uh, issues. You've got all these things that are really like, feel like directly contradicting your view of God speaking through prophets. And so what do you do with that? And it's kind of hard. You can't just say, I'm going to put all that stuff on the back shelves. For some people, you can't do that. You can't just say, I'm going to put it on the back shelf, worry about it 20 years from now, whatever it is, and I'm just going to live my life in the gospel. For some people, that does not work. So we have to be, whenever you're dealing with anybody at all, working with somebody, you have to be able to adapt. And so for you, Jake, you may be able to just not read any of the critical information and be okay with not knowing that, you know, all the arguments and going through the long list and staying up all night, not sleeping, reading that <laughs> stuff. Maybe that's you. And I don't know. So it just depends. I think, I think it helps immensely to understand those, you know, four types of, you know, doctrine and understand that it seems like at least three of those can sometimes be just, <laughs> thrown away sort of so to speak I, I don't know maybe I'm speaking too strongly about that but I guess I've been really really lucky that I have some of those core beliefs that I still believe in that still that I feel like I still have faith in I think at this point I'm still trying to learn somewhat what a faith crisis is kind of this conversation has helped like a lot and I feel like I have really good tools, at least, you know, the basic tools to start out with in navigating this faith crisis in my mind. And hopefully it helps whoever's watching, whether they're at a faith crisis sort of like mine, where it's it's not destroying my life. Um, but I do feel at times that I'm still like just suffering in darkness, so to speak. Thank you so much for providing this. And hopefully throughout this journey, of, of this podcast will be able to show these steps and the things that you've outlined starting to take root and show, show some fruit. And hopefully this, this helps whoever's watching this, this, if you're experiencing a faith crisis or know someone experiencing a faith crisis, I know Leo's said a lot today that can help. And 
we'll have Leo back on. We don't have the time today to do a part three. I wish we could. And Leo's been so generous with his time and resources and knowledge. And be sure to check out Uplift Community of Faith on Facebook and YouTube. Um, Or you can just Google it, like Leo said, and you'll be pointed to the right place. And this was part two. So if you haven't seen part one, make sure to see part one too, although that's kind of late if you've already seen this whole episode. But yeah, please subscribe to Saints Unscripted. Watch out for these videos that come out every Sunday on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. Next time on the Saints Unscripted podcast. One heart and one mind in Moses just means we all are trying our best to come unto Christ. It doesn't mean we have uniform beliefs about everything in our church. So let's create space for people that believe in polygamy, don't believe in polygamy, that believe in the November policy, that don't, that are uncomfortable about our history with blacks, that are. Let's don't judge people that feel like our church leaders made mistakes around certain issues as they continue to stay in the church and sustain our leaders. This is a Saints Unscripted original podcast and is hosted and executive produced by me, Jacob Watson, and Saints Unscripted. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll catch you next time.